Recorded live. This is an interactive, interactive. interactive podcast designed for audience participation. Come talk, talk, talk. text chat, or listen live at TalkShoe.com. Uh, hello, everybody, and good evening. Uh, this is Jules, and welcome to the next episode of Traveling to Italy. Uh, tonight we have a, a real special uh, thing that we'll be talking about, and that is the top ten things to do and see in all of Italy. Uh, by the way, uh, I won't be doing a talk cast next week. I'm heading out to Colorado to do uh, some skiing, and I'll return after Christmas. So uh, starting on the, the top ten, um, in terms of figuring this out, I went ahead and listed all the various things that I've done in Italy that I've had a great time doing or or loved seeing or what have you, and narrowed it down to about 30 things. Uh, and then, then of course, uh, I had to whittle it down to about 20 or so, and then it became pretty tough to really pick the top 10 things that I would uh, do and see in Italy. But uh, let's go ahead and get started. Now, the first thing I'm going to do is cheat. I'm actually going to have an 11th, and the reason for having the 11th is that um, I've never been to this particular place, and that is Sicily. I've always wanted to go to Sicily, and I guess I'm sure that if I did go, that it would be on my top 10. Uh, so I'm taking a little stretch there, but uh, let's put that in at uh, number 11. And, and again, I can't say all the specific things to do in Sicily because I've never been there. All right. Uh, let's get started with the top 10. Uh, at number 10 is the town of Siena. And I've talked about Siena before. Siena is a lovely uh, uh, town about uh, an hour, an hour and a half south of Florence. And it's just a, a wonderful little town, great to see in about uh, maybe three quarters of a day. Uh, go in the morning, see some sights, have lunch, uh, hang out at some more stuff in the afternoon, and uh, and then kind of go maybe back to your, your base in Florence or something like that. In particular, uh, Siena has a wonderful square, and it's where they run the Palio, which is actually a horse race. So they take the piazza and they uh, kind of put... Um, barriers around the edge of it and then the horses run behind that and it's a very famous uh, horse race and it's um, a pretty exciting uh, thing to see. There's also a wonderful uh, Duomo church there uh, with also a, a very nice uh, museum which specializes in uh, particular in the paintings of Duccio who was one of the uh, great masters um, in uh, the Siena region. All right, uh, number nine. Let's look at the list. Number nine is a museum, and that's the Museum of the Uffizi. Uh, this is a tough one because the Uffizi is definitely my favorite museum, and it, it comes in at number nine, and, and it's more because there's so many other things there. But uh, Uffizi is great, and the Uffizi is a museum where it, it, the best part about it for me is it's really about the Renaissance. Um, it does go a little bit beyond the Renaissance into the 1600s and, and even beyond that in terms of Italian art. But, but it really starts with the beginning of the Renaissance in a, uh, a Madonna and Child by Giotto. And you wind your way through the museum going chronologically uh, through the end of the 1300s, the 1400s, the 1500s. And it's got everything. Uh, it has you name it, an Italian artist, and it's there. Um, Michelangelo, Da Vinci, Raffaello, um, etc. 
So it's a, it's just a great museum. Uh, I do recommend that you don't go in the morning early because a lot of the tour buses are there and it kind of gets uh, a little crowded. So actually a good time to go is in the um, late afternoon, uh, perhaps two hours before the museum closes. And that's about my limit for a museum is it's about two hours before I kind of my eyes glaze over. All right, uh, number eight. Number eight is a region, and that's the Chianti region, which is the area between Florence and Siena. Um, you, of course, know Chianti from the wine. And if you've never had a Chianti, by the way, uh, Chianti is um, considered pretty much to be one of the best wines in Italy. Um, the Brunello, which is kind of a little higher end uh, that's made out of the same grape, uh, is probably considered the pinnacle of Italian red wine. But this, uh, the um, Chianti region is just wonderful. Winding hills uh, with just covered with um, wine, I'm sorry, with, uh, with grape vineyards. And uh, there's, there's a, a lot of just, just sort of beautiful views as you're driving along. A lot of very small little towns you can go in and just kind of hang out, have a nice lunch. Um, and again, I've, I've talked about the Chianti region. You can go ahead and, and listen to one of my earlier episodes about Chianti to get uh, a lot more details. But it's just wonderful, and, and it's the kind of place where you really want to take your time and wind your way through um, going from Florence to Siena. It's kind of a great you know, couple-hour, uh, at least couple-hour trip. Um, you could do it straight in probably an hour, but I, I would take my time, stop off at places like Greve and Chianti, and uh, really experience uh, the region and go to go to a vineyard and you know, drink some wine, that sort of thing. Okay, uh, number seven, we're heading a bit south and we're going south of Rome, and this is the uh, ancient town of Pompeii. And Pompeii is a place that pretty much everybody's heard of. Uh, it's obviously famous for the uh, great volcano which erupted there and buried the town in uh, ash and rock. And uh, why it's famous is because it, it's so well preserved. And you you get the sense when you're walking through the streets of Pompeii that you're really back in time. And anything, it's simple. I mean, just a simple town. Uh, there's places like the, um, the, the, the store that sells wine. I remember the wine jugs. Um, the streets have uh, carvings um, kind of around the curves, which are from the chariots. Uh, it's just, you really feel like, like you're there. And there's a sister town called Herculaneum, which is a bit smaller than Pompeii, but, and some say a bit better preserved. Um, I, I don't know. I, I've been there, and I would say either one is, is wonderful. Uh, Herculaneum is a bit less touristed. Uh, if you want to avoid the crowds, you can go there. But they're they're pretty close. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing both of them again. You, you just get kind of glazed over after a while. But they are uh, a great thing to see and not to be missed. Uh, it's also a very nice day trip from Rome if you happen to have your base uh, in Rome. Coming in at, at number six is something that very few people actually go and see in Italy, but it, it was fantastic for me, and, and I happened on it by chance. Uh, I was driving from um, Venice to Milan and kind of looking in the guidebook. Uh, I was with my girlfriend at the time, and we, we were reading about Verona because we saw signs for Verona. And they talked about in the guidebook this um, this sort of festival. It's an opera festival that's throughout the summer in Verona. And we went there, and it's it's amazing because it's it's sort of like the Colosseum in Rome, 
except it's active. And what I mean by active is people go, and they have real operas there, and they take about half of this arena and make an, I don't want to say a stage, because there's a base stage, but they use all the marble steps uh, to, to create uh, an, an amazing you know, city in some cases. I saw Carmen there. It was, it was magnificent. Uh, multiple levels. There's dancing and singing at the same time. It's really, really wonderful. This is something that, again, few people see, but I guarantee, even if you're not an opera fan, that you'll feel like you're, you're back in uh, ancient times uh, listening to the opera. And I remember when I went there the first time, we kind of took in some uh, salami and cheese and some red wine and uh, sat on the marble steps, and it was a, a great you know, Italian experience. So that comes in number six, which is, which is pretty high, especially for a town that very few people actually go to. Okay, uh, so we're at number five, and number five is one of the major attractions in all of Italy, one that you'd certainly expect to be in the top five and that is St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Um, the kind of thing you just cannot miss. Uh, most people who go to Italy do indeed go to Rome uh, as one of their main itinerary stops, and they certainly go to St. Peter's, which is just astounding. And I, I looked it up, which I've said in an earlier talkcast, and it's about the size of six football fields. It's massive. Um, you can imagine as if there's almost churches inside the church where different um, areas they're giving uh, different masses, and, and uh, it's just incredible. And there are amazing mosaics on the walls, and the mosaics are, are as if they were just made because, of course, they're made out of stone, so they've preserved um, incredibly well over the years. You'd also want to see the Pietà there, which is one of Michelangelo's most famous uh, statues. Um, part of the, uh, the whole Vatican complex is the Vatican museums, and the museums are massive. There's anything from Egyptian art uh, all the way up to um, paintings. Um, there's the Sistine Chapel. There are the papal apartments decorated by many famous artists, including Raphael. And um, so that, that whole thing, the St. Peter's Basilica plus the museums, is definitely a full day you know, go to one in the morning and have a nice lunch. Uh, get off the beaten path because there's a lot of real touristy places around St. Peter's and the you know first couple of blocks around. Uh, you know, go go a few blocks into uh, the the town itself and you'll find some better restaurants. I always look for you know kind of the trattorias and uh, real casual places is is generally what I go for. So that comes in at at number five, and and you're probably saying to yourself, gee, if St. Peter's is number five, you know, what's what's in the top four? Because some people would probably put St. Peter's as their number one thing. Number four to me is a place. It's a town, a town of Positano. Positano is on the Amalfi Coast, uh, an absolutely wonderful town. If you go ahead and look on the Internet or in a book and see, you know, look up Positano, you've probably already seen pictures of it. Um, you may not have known it at the time, but it's an idyllic place, which is a town built on a cliff. Uh, it's not a sort of a vertical cliff, but it's pretty close to vertical. Uh, you literally park at the top and wind your way down in a, in a zigzag pattern through the streets. Uh, it's considered one of the highest uh, end places in Amalfi, Amalfi Coast. What I mean by that is there's expensive shopping, uh, expensive food, uh, but there's a reason for it, and, and a lot of times places are touristed because they're great, 
and Positano is absolutely one of those places not to be missed on the Amalfi Coast. Of course, the whole drive of the Amalfi Coast is wonderful, winding through the, the cliffs and um, the towns dotting uh, the, the drive, um, vineyards literally in, in a stair step. You can imagine the, the rows of the grapes actually going up the hill. So it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. But Positano is definitely a place, if I had to go back, uh, that would be the one spot I'd, I'd go to in the Amalfi Coast. Okay, so we're down to the top three, and again, it's this is always always a tough one to pick the absolute favorites. But um, for me, number three is something that I first saw when I was a child. I went with to Italy with my mother when I was 14 years old, and we did one of those kind of trips around Europe where you know we went to France and and um, we went to of course Italy and um, we went to uh, Switzerland. And, you know, just kind of one of those bus trips where you go all over the place. And I was just astounded uh, then, and I've gone back to this place when I was in my 40s and still astounded, which is the Roman Forum and the Colosseum. And I put them together because they are right next to each other. And generally they're seen by going through the Roman Forum and looking at all the ruins. Uh, It's a good idea to buy one of the guidebooks, which almost all of them have kind of a they have a picture of the ruins, and then they superimpose with like a cellophane um, image, and they show you what the buildings would have looked like. Um, and you can, you know, spend a couple hours there. You can kind of climb on the ruins. Uh, great, great photos. And again, this is the center of uh, life, really, in ancient Rome, and not to be missed. Uh, the Colosseum is also, of course, great. Uh, something that is a monument that almost stands for for Italy. Uh, Maybe that and and the Leaning Tower would be the two uh, most photographed monuments um, and and tourist attractions. And you can walk into the Colosseum and, again, you you sort of feel, you know, you've heard all the stories about the the gladiators fighting and and, uh, the Christians and the lions, and and it kind of comes to life for you. Uh, Adjacent to the Forum is something that a number of people do miss, and that's the Palatine Hill. And while the Colosseum and the Forum are, are pretty touristed, the Palatine Hill is not. And that is the hill above the uh, Forum, which is where there were many homes of the more well-off people in Rome. And there are ruins, and, and they're kind of just a fun ruins in the sense that you can run around. Uh, there's grass areas, uh, great for the kids. They can kind of hide behind them, you know, play um, play a game. You can... Um, just kind of hang out and have lunch, and and that whole you know complex of the Forum, the Palatine Hill, and the Colosseum is you know the better part of of a day. And again, you'll probably have lunch at some time uh, during that stretch. Again, as I said with St. Peter's, you want to get off the beaten path a bit in terms of eating because they are certainly uh, pretty touristed, and uh, certainly don't you know go to some pizza joint that's across the street from the Colosseum. You're not going to have a good meal. Okay, we're in the top two, and uh, number two is, is I, again, I cheated. And the reason is that I couldn't figure out what to pick. Um, my favorite uh, city in the world is indeed Florence, and it comes in at number two. And don't worry, I'll get to number one uh, in, in a minute. And you're saying, well, why isn't Florence number one? But you know, you'll find out in, in about a minute or two. 
and the reason I cheated is I couldn't figure out what one thing or two things I would do in Florence. Um, and and I guess the the things that I certainly would do would be to uh, go to the uh, PT Palace, and the PT Palace is a um, it's a palace, obviously, of the PT family, and there is a Renaissance uh, painting museum. There's a, a modern art museum, and then there, it's adjacent to the Boboli Gardens, which are gardens that again are, are many many acres, perhaps 50 acres. Um, again, I could be off on, on that statistics. I haven't been able to find the exact dimensions, but it's massive. And there are uh, just rows of all the classic cypress trees and um, grottos with, with statues and fountains and um, just grassy areas. So I would definitely go to the PT Palace, as well as hang out in the Piazza Signoria, which is the main square in the center of Florence, and just uh, observe the sights um, and the sculptures, um, maybe take in a little bit of a, a tour of um, the Palazzo Vecchio, which is the old palace. Um, so so we're kind of on number one, and, and you're probably saying, well, well wait a minute, you, you did everything. What it could possibly be number one? And this is something you certainly won't expect to be number one, but really if I, I had to go there um, and somebody said, what's the one thing you miss or you'd like to do in Italy? Um, and that's eating. And it may sound funny, but eating is, is what I choose for number one. Um, I would choose a four-hour meal, um, you know, with seven to ten courses, um, and and it would be uh, most likely in Florence, um, eat some tortellini and, and some um, antipasto and a little veal and some, uh, some dolce, which is desserts, um, have a have a, a gelato afterwards, uh, drink some red wine, um, and again, just hang out with, with friends and family and enjoy um, just being in Italy and, and experiencing the, the current life in Italy, and which is just a great kind of slower lifestyle than I have here in, in America. And uh, it just for me, it's just the number one thing. Then I did one last thing, and I said, okay, so what if you had one day and um, I w- didn't cheat this time, so I didn't say I could go to Rome and Florence and Venice uh, all in the same the same time. And, and by the way, uh, you know Venice would probably also be in the top ten, but I just couldn't fit it. Um, you know Venice is wonderful, and it probably should be in the top ten, but uh, didn't quite make make my list. Although I'd probably make it ten and a half because um, Venice is a wonderful city and extremely unique. Um, in fact, I might even make it in the top ten and, and push one of the others out. I, I probably if I had to do it again, I might stick Venice in there. But if I had one day, what would I do? And I would go to Florence, as you might expect, being my favorite city. And, of course, I would eat, which is my number one and two things. There's a great little place that I went to, which is a, a bar pastry shop uh, near the bus station, uh, about uh, three blocks away from the Duomo area. And they have just amazing Italian pastries. So I'd eat a pastry or two and have a, a cappuccino, and that would start the day. Uh, then I'd head over to the Uffizi uh, Museum, which I described before, and just uh, wander through, take my time, take a couple of hours, and just uh, relish and uh, bake in the amazing art um, of of the Renaissance uh, period, which is my favorite uh, period. And that's probably because I took some Renaissance art classes when I was in college. So I'd do the Uffizi. And then I would uh, 
go for lunch to a pizzeria. There's one on um, a Via del Proconsolo, which is not too far from Piazza Signoria, a great little pizza place where I had a wonderful time meeting some fr- foreign uh, people who they weren't friends. They just kind of stuck me at the table with them, and we had just a great dinner in that case. But I'd go there for lunch. Got to do the pizza if it's my last day, the nice, uh, crispy, uh, coal-fired um, pizza and what to put on it? I'd probably put some uh, prosciutto and probably some vegetables, you know, little peppers and little mushrooms. And um, one thing, again, sounds a little strange, but I did have a pizza once with an egg cracked in the middle. So I'd, I'd probably do that for the, the last trip there. Then in the afternoon, I'd, I'd wander to the Ultrano, which is the other side of the Arno River. And I would do the Pitti Palace and the Boboli Gardens. Uh, a little more art, probably wouldn't spend too much time, maybe an hour or so in the the uh, Renaissance Museum and, and hit the Modern Art Museum, which I loved. It's all um, Italian modern art, which you don't tend to see in the um, art museums outside of Italy. And uh, just, a, just a great place. And then I just hang out at the Boboli Gardens. Um, you know, maybe take a, a bottle of wine, some cheese, uh, some bread, um, walk around the Boboli Gardens, see the fountains, hang out in the um, in the groves and, and the grottos and, and just kind of relax. After that, I, I'd probably wander back over the Ponte Vecchio and go to the Piazza Signoria, which is, again, I've described before the main piazza in Florence, and just kind of hang out, you know, a little bit before, uh, maybe a couple hours before dinner, just take in the sights, sit there, um, watch people go by, uh, look at the statues, and um, you know, maybe maybe have a gelato or something like that at, at that time of day. Uh, then for dinner, I would eat at my favorite place in Italy, which is a restaurant called Aqua Al Due. And uh, this is a place where they have this um, kind of special meal. Well, they, they have all sorts of things, but in particular, the special meal is a five-pasta meal. And they just keep bringing pasta of different kinds. You don't pick them. They just keep bringing them, and everyone seems to be better than the rest. It's kind of a noisy place, just feels real Italian, very lively, uh, good desserts, uh, really just a great place. After that, I would... Um, Take a bus up to the Piazza Michelangelo, which is a great place uh, to go in the evening. has the best view of Florence and the Duomo and the uh, Ponte Vecchio and the uh, Palazzo Vecchio and the entire valley and hills surrounding Florence. I probably uh, grab a gelato, and there's a lot of Italians up there, you know, walking arm in arm with uh, with their boyfriends or girlfriends. Um, just kind of a nice uh, place to to hang out in the evening. And then as it got later in the night, I'd go to one of the bar cafes, no, none in particular that I would choose, but they're all uh, great. And I'd have you know some after-dinner drinks and uh, maybe another gelato since it's the end of the day and um, you know hopefully meet some Italians and some other tourists and, and have a good time. So that would be my one day, if it were, I guess, my only day in Italy uh, or my last day, <laughs> um, you know, um, of life or something like that. I don't know, but it would certainly be up there. Uh, that would be my, my perfect day. So um, this is uh, the end of, of the top 10, as I said before, and I certainly invite you to check out my other episodes, which have anything from other cities to speaking Italian to food, um, to what to bring, um, what to do, all, all sorts of different things about Italy. And again, I won't be having a talk cast next week, but I will resume after Christmas. 
So until then, uh, this is Jules signing off. Ciao.